0: ISJA Melbourne is calling on the Victorian government to release unsentenced people on remand from Victorian prisons. First Nations people are 3% of the population, yet represent 29% of the general prison population.
1: 89% of First Nations women entering prison are unsentenced.
0: ISJA Melbourne is asking you to sign the No Crime, No Time petition,
1: which can be found on ISJA Melbourne's Facebook page.
0: Indigenous Social Justice Association Melbourne is a 3CR supporter.
2: Hi, this is Mitchell from Kakopi and you're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio. Subscribe
0: now. Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police
3: that arrest the uh, protesters.
0: Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock.
1: On community radio, 3CR.
3: Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist.
0: Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning, and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents. You're listening to Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna. And I'm Jodie Pesket and we'll be taking you through to 9.30 this morning. Thanks to Annie for another informative, very insightful programme this morning. Uh, I can't tell you what song she went out with because I didn't write it down and I clicked on to the next thing. So apologies to the artist, apologies to Annie. Um, but of course, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Workerlings. You can find us on the web or the or on Facebook and Twitter, so look us up on those social social media platforms. In the second part of the show today, we're going to be speaking with Walsan Lim. Walsan is the, uh, well, she originally works for the um, KPTU, which is the Public Service and Transport Workers Union in Korea, Um, but she's currently doing some work at the ITF, the International Transport Federation. But we're talking to her about that wildly successful truckers strike in South Korea, which uh, culminated in a deal on the 14th of June. So we're going to be talking to her about that, but also what's next in that struggle because whilst they had a victory, there is obviously the next attack and the next struggle uh, barking right at their heels. Um, but we're going to go straight to news from around the region. And even though, Jodie, your uh, item is marked number two, I'm going to have you start off today. Excellent. Just I love it how you keep me on my
2: toes. Absolutely. That's the job here. All right, today we are starting in Iran. So this is a statement by the Trade Union of the Tehran and Suburbs Vahed Bus Company. Today, June 30th, is the 18th day of the Reza Shahabi's hunger strike. He is a member of the Executive Committee of the Vahed Bus Company Workers Union, and so far, no news has been heard about his health for the past two weeks. During the last contact he had with his family 14 days ago, Reza Reza Shahabi was not even able to stand on his feet and although they have had no further contact, his physical condition has definitely deteriorated and his family has no news about the health of of this imprisoned union activist. Such conduct by the interrogators and the officials of the Evan Prisons Prosecutor's Office in concealing Shahabi's health have made his family more worried. Hassan Saeed, another well-known member of the Vahad the union is on the ninth day of his hunger strike and is still in solitary confinement and in a critical condition. In order to complete building the, the intelligence ministry's new scenario, Reza Shahabi and Hassan Zaid's interrogators have put a lot of pressure on these two labor activists and Vahad union members to be able to justify the fake, fabricated clips which has been which have been broadcast several times from IRIB, the state broadcaster channels. The toiler's recourse is unity and
0: organisation. So, um, <clears> Rosa <throat> Shahabi is a union leader that AAWL has been supporting for a really long time. We know that he was re arrested around May Day this year, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, his conditions continue to deteriorate. Um, we'll be participating in a campaign to um, try and support and call for his release. Moving to Turkey, but of course globally as well, according to the International Trade Union Confederation's 9th Annual Global Rights Index, Turkey is among the 10 worst countries for workers as it has been in the past years. In the index, covering 148 countries, Bangladesh, Belarus, Brazil, Colombia, Egypt, Eswatini, Guatemala, Myanmar and the Philippines are the other countries in the worst 10. Turkey ranked amongst the worst countries because of the suppression of strikes, arrests of unionists and the systematic prevention of union activities. The report says the following about the situation in the country. In 2022, workers' freedoms and rights continued to be relentlessly denied, including with police crackdowns on protests. Trade union leaders were arbitrarily arrested and their homes raided. On May Day 2021, 212 demonstrators were detained in Istanbul for attempting to hold a protest in defiance of the government's strict coronavirus lockdown rules. Salcom, which manufactures for Xiaomi Far Plus, uh, is a company that dismissed 150 workers and got them detained by inviting the police into the factory. And then fire, and another company, ASD Laminat, which fired 54 and 19 workers at different times. These two companies, uh, these three companies, were the leading companies in violations of workers' rights.
2: All right. now we're moving to Sri Lanka, where doctors and bankers were among hundreds of Sri Lankans who marched on Wednesday to demand the government resolve a severe fuel shortage at the heart of the Indian Ocean Islands' worst economic crisis in in decades, or step down. Weeks of street demonstrations against cascading woes such as power cuts and shortages of food and medicine brought a change in government last month after nine people were killed and about 300 injured in protests. Left with just enough fuel for about a week and fresh shipments at least two weeks away, the government restricted supplies on Tuesday to essential services, such as trains, buses and the healthcare sector, for two weeks. Doctors, nurses and medical staff say that despite being designated essential workers, they struggle to find enough fuel to get to work. This is an impossible situation. The government has given has, has to give us a solution, H.M. Medawata, Secretary of the Shranka's largest nursing union's and All Island Nurses Union told reporters, the South Asian nation's most serious economic crisis since independent from Britain in 1948 comes after COVID-19 battered the tourism-reliant economy and slashed remittances from overseas workers. Rising oil prices, populist tax cuts and a seven-month ban on the import of chemical fertilisers last year that devastated the agriculture industry have compounded the troubles."
0: And moving now to another global issue, the World Health Organization has declared that firefighting is carcinogenic to humans. Mm. The world, yeah, a very, very significant development, especially given um, the UFU's current um, fight here. In Victoria, yeah. The World Health Organization International Agency for Research on Cancer, and that is the IARC, first studied firefighting in 2007, where it was determined the occupational exposure as a firefighter was possibly carcinogenic to humans, making it a Group 2B industry. This month, um, the IARC undertook a second monograph, which is just a study, which resulted in the determination to upgrade the the occupation of firefighting to carcinogenic to humans, making it a Group 1A industry. The IARC's monographs identify environmental factors that are carcinogenic hazards to humans. These include chemicals, complex mixtures, occupational exposure, physical agents, biological agents and lifestyle factors. National health agencies can use this information as scientific support for their actions to prevent exposure to potential carcinogens. A total of 52 cohort and risk studies, 12 case reports and seven meta-analyses were part of the 2022 consideration. In other words, it's not just a nothing report. The Group 1A classification puts the occupation of firefighting in the same toxic category as arsenic, benzene and formaldehyde. So excellent in that development and hopefully um, the United Firefighters Union can use that information to advance their um, demands around um, health and safety in that industry. Yeah, and it's a significant
2: step forward in terms of occupational diseases in terms of OHS, which is a very new
0: area. Very good. It is nine minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. We're going to go to some community announcements and then our feature story for the morning.
3: Mantengamos la fuerza en la comunidad Keep community strong El time llegó Time to donate 3 cr Radio thumb 2022 El time llegó Time to donate 3 cr Radio thumb 2022 Radio Thong Need you now Go to 3 Radio Radiothon needs you now Go to 3 And if for some reason you didn't understand all that It's dawn 2022 It's time to donate to do this go to www.3cr.org.au and pledge your donation we love you we need you keep the community strong
0: We do love you and we do need you. And, yes, though, the two weeks of on-air Radiothon plugging are over. Uh, Radiothon is not over and you can still donate. We are only... Um about $30,000 short of our target we're so so nearly there so if you've got any loose um not loose any <laughs> spare money um lying around please give us a ring 94198377 during business hours or go to the website or the dot crorgau and pledge um and donate to 3CR's radiothon it is 11 minutes past nine o'clock and we're going to go into our feature interview for the morning. Uh, we have spoken a number of times in the uh, news segment of this show about the truck workers strike in South Korea. It was an amazing strike. It shut down whole industries. It was extremely effective um, and we I had an opportunity to speak with our um, comrade who's been on the show many, many times before, one's, uh, Walsan Lim, and she starts here by introducing herself.
1: Hi, my name is Wilson Lim and I am from the Korean Public Service and Transport Workers Union, but currently on secondment with the International Transport Workers Federation, uh, where I have the title of Vice Chair of the Road Transport Section.
0: Excellent. Well, firstly, congratulations on the secondment. Obviously, you're no stranger to Asia-Pacific currents. But of course, the reason I've invited you on the show today is to talk about the um, the The truck workers strike that we've been watching um we know that there was an agreement reached a couple of Mm -hmm. weeks ago why don't you tell us um firstly what what sparked the industrial action and and how it ended
1: yeah um you're exactly right the strike uh did go on from June 6th to June 14th and um just to give a little background there are two two main pieces of background the first is RISING FUEL PRICES, WHICH IS A, is a GLOBAL ISSUE, RIGHT, um, AND THAT, OF COURSE, PUTS MASSIVE AMOUNTS OF PRESSURE ON uh, DRIVERS IN uh, KOREA, KOREAN uh, ROAD TRANSPORT MARKET IS ALMOST, IT'S OVER 90% OWNER DRIVERS, um, SO EVEN MORE SO THAN THE AUSTRALIAN MARKET, BUT YOU'LL BE FAMILIAR WITH THE ISSUES OF OWNER DRIVERS. Uh, in Australia as well, where these drivers, you know, all of the costs for fuel and vehicle repairs in their vehicles and, and, um, you know, every other associated cost, they have to shoulder themselves. So, of course, rising fuel costs is a a huge issue when there's no safety net. So that's the first background. The second background is also an issue that should be uh, quite familiar to at least some Australian listeners, which is um, the issue of safe rates. So um, there was also, there has been a, a long-term campaign for safe rates in Australia uh, and a national system introduced in 2012, abolished 2016, and hopefully introduced again with very soon with the new Labour government. Um, but in Korea, we we won a similar system. It was uh, passed in National Assembly 2018, safe rates, which are the, the basic rates that truck drivers get, which are calculated so they can cover their costs, make a decent living and drive safely. Uh, The rates went into effect in in 2020, but it's a it's a limited system, and the current government is looks like it's not going to. It it has been acting as if uh, it's not in supporting the passage of new legislation to extend the system. And so the main the main demand in the strike was uh, to make the system permanent and expand it to more sectors. Currently, it only applies uh, with enforceable rates to two sectors, container transport and bulk cement, which is about 6% of the market.
0: And so when, because um, we're regarding the, this as a victory, um, what were the rates that were won during the strike?
1: Yeah, no, it's, so the, the strike was not around a pay raise. Uh, it is about a legal system. Um, the legal system guarantees certain rates Per, it's a trip-based rate, but it's calculated to cover all costs and all working time, with certain, uh, you know, uh, extra fees added on if you wait longer or um, if you uh, if you uh, you know carry dangerous goods or, or working on difficult roads or something like this. So, uh, it but the the demand was not for an increase in rates. The demand was the system that sets these rates, which is. Again, uh, similar to the road transport, uh, sorry, the road safety remuneration tribunal uh, set similar rates or was, was uh, a given the authority to set similar rates in Australia. <laughs> you have a similar system, system, excuse me, in New South Wales. Um, so it's the system that allows for the setting of rates. That uh, is in peril because it, it it has a time limit on it, and so the demand was for the extension of the system and expanding it to other sectors. Not not a rate in, increase, of course, for the drivers who aren't covered by it. We were we were demanding, you know, uh, some increases to match the increase in the cost of living and the increase in um, in uh, uh, fuel prices but that that uh, that was kind of a secondary issue to the making the system permanent and expansion to more sectors. Thanks for
0: clarifying that um, mm-hmm. that detail I I mean I watched a lot of um, the strike unfold and one of the parts that I was particularly impressed with mostly because I I know about POSCO I know about previous disputes in POSCO but the effect of this truckers strike resulted in a number of um, industry shutdowns can you yeah. talk a little bit about that
1: yeah um so the worker the workers who are striking are members of the kpt korean public service transport workers union cargo truckers truckers solidarity division which is the trucking division of KPTU. we call it kptu truck Soul. um and they are The membership is about 25,000. But uh, in addition to basically all members striking, there are a lot of non-members striking as well. And they, instead of gathering in one place, they were, uh, it was the decision of the the union to have workers uh, divided up into their regions and then at specific localities, um, logistics hubs, ports, uh, container depots, also production sites, (laughs) excuse me, cement uh cement production and distribution sites and steel production like posco um and they were pretty effective in stopping you know the uh raw materials going in and and um finished goods going out and so as you said that you know there was a significant impact on cost posco and other steel making companies as well as cement you know there were um construction sites that were shutting down because of the the lack of cement being um uh shipped as well as you know at major ports, basically transport not going in and out of the major ports. Um and you know a whole other range of commodities. I mean there's an impact on global, you know, semiconductor supply chains, um, pretty much everything you name it. There's a big fight that even started before the this main national strike had a hai um, chilo which is a is an alcohol making company, right? And so there was all this issue around people not getting their soju, right? The the convenience stores not having soju, so um, and the the government estimates that the impact on the economy was roughly U.S. Uh, in U.S. dollars one point two billion um, from from the strike, and this is because of both ineffective tactics, but also because of the mass participation of non members.
0: And i know that right now you're at the itf and probably taking on a, a bit of a higher level of organizing not right there in the in the um reads, so to speak mm-hmm. but let me ask you you know given this cost of living is an issue uh worldwide um covid one of the main catalysts but also the war in russia and mm-hmm. ukraine uh, how how much public support or public criticism Was there of the strike given it really did affect people's ability to access commodities?
1: Yeah, um, I'm pretty on the ground here too. So, you know, for me, this was, of course, there were people and small businesses and businesses that were complaining about the impact of the strike. But what was really surprising to me is a pretty high level of solidarity and support for the strike and understanding even of some of the companies that were, you know, feeling, you know, being blocked or feeling it work, you know, both frustrated with the union <laughs> to a certain extent, but also very, very, very frustrated with the government. And then the those companies at the top of the supply chain, which you call clients in Australia and, you know, in other places, they call cargo earners or, or economic employers. Um, and, and these are the companies that, you know, have to come out and actually take responsibility for, for driver's pay. And they're also the ones that are opposing the system. So there was there was quite a bit of, you know, kind of frustration with the government that was really not coming to the bargaining table with anything and, and being really kind of trying to crack down on the strike. And then, you know, uh, the other big companies for not, you know, playing a role in trying to find an adequate solution. And I, And for me, the most amazing thing about this strike was suddenly I'm somebody who's been talking about safe rates in Korea for the last ten years. I think I was talking about it before anybody knew what it was, and suddenly it was like top nightly news to explain what safe rates means and why you know drivers were calling for this. And the entire labor movement in Korea now knows what safe rates is. It's a good part of society does because it was reported so widely. And and you know of course conservative media will be conservative media, but the the sort of center left media was actually really really supportive and. Um, Actually, that's you know, not there was not supportive or unsupportive, but fairly um, uh, objective reporting, I think, in the international press, like I spent a lot of time talking to The Wall Street Journal and, uh, you know, Bloomberg, Reuters, um, New York Times. So it, it, did, it did get quite <laughs> quite wide attention in Korea, I think, uh, at a much higher level of support than past tr- trucker strikes has, have gotten.
0: Well you did mention a little bit about um, government repression. Um, mm-hmm. We do know that there were mass arrests of striking workers and that there remains an ongoing campaign to um, seek to ha- have them well I'm assuming released so are they still in custody but certainly to have charges dropped as well.
1: Right, right. That's correct so over 70 70- workers were arrested, you know, in the process of um, protest picket lines and uh, of of those 70 plus um, only two have been detained, but everybody else probably will have charges against them. So, of course, we did work through the uh, Korean Confederation of Trade Unions, which is the the national center uh, of the KPT was affiliated to. We worked uh, through them to make a. A call for intervention from the ILO so that is being is under consideration I think there probably will be intervention from the ILO um and you know around this issue and will when we'll, ITF also has said that it will consider you know a uh uh an ILO complaint to the um community and freedom of association around this um as you, there's there's aftermath of the strike too so the um factory that's making alcohol I mentioned all of those workers contracts have been cancelled and so that is a continued struggle uh, that needs union attention and, and uh, support from the, the wider labour movement.
0: Well kind of um, I mean it, that that's actually shocking to hear about the um, the alcohol manufacturing workers being mm-hmm. sacked um, mm-hmm. uh, we'll get to that in a moment I wanted to just go back to what kind of charges are these workers facing what kind of anti- striking or anti-union laws exist in
1: korea so um these workers it should be noted are they're all self-employed or classified as self-employed independent contractor owner driver whatever you want to call them so they are not employees under law therefore they don't have the right to join unions collectively bargain you know protected right to join unions collectively bargain or strike Um, and that uh Means that the government doesn't consider the actions that they're taking strike actions. They consider it a collective refusal of transport. That's what they called it, and um, most of the charges are for things like obstruction obstruction of business, maybe some traffic violations. Um, so, because workers were picketing in front of things, right? That's where the, that's where those charges are coming from. Um, yeah.
0: So just generally repression, finding anything to intimidate yeah. and, and um, prevent others from taking similar action. If if um, you know that you're going to end up with charges if you take
1: industrial action, yeah, obstruction of business is like the like symbolic charge <laughs> that that you know government uh, uses against striking workers in Korea. So,
0: and then tell me a little bit about these. Um, ancillary workers or the the workers in the manufacturing um, industry that have been sacked as a, as a consequence of the trucker's strike?
1: Yeah, actually that strike had begun and that was um, in addition to, of course, their participation in the national strike in calling for uh, the, making the safe rate system permanent and expanding it to all freight and vehicle types. They had actually begun striking um, because their, weights, their rates of pay have been so low uh and um frozen for for many years and so they had they were striking ahead of of the national strike and that kind of blended into the national strike and then um at the end after the the national strike was over they suddenly got um you know notified by their uh the transport companies that they contract with their um contracts have been cancelled and and again since these are technically owner drivers or uh self-employed workers they're, you know, they're on service contracts as opposed to um, employment contracts, and they don't have the same protections under law. And so, you know, it, it has to be a strategy of solidarity and you know, continued action to, to get the jobs back.
0: Well, well, son, thank you so much for joining me um, mm-hmm. again. If any of the listeners want to extend solidarity or get in touch mm-hmm. or, or any of that, how would they do that?
1: So first of all, I think just to kind of just to say that this fight is really not over. I mean, an agreement was reached with the government on June 14th, but uh, the government has come back and sort of interpreted that agreement to say, we never agreed to make the system permanent. We might expend it and extend it. We, you know, we're not sure. And, you know, they're trying to gut the system in in many ways. And so we're, we're. You know, making a big push to pass new legislation, but it's going to be a real continued fight through the later in the year. So, you know, just to continue to have um, Korean truck drivers in your hearts and minds, if um, you want to get in touch with KPTU, it's kptu.intl at gmail.com. That will go to my uh, colleague in the international department. If you want to get in touch with the ITF, it's inland transport at ITF. Org. UK.
2: The Commons Social Change Library is an online collection of educational resources for those campaigning for social change. It collects, curates and distributes the key lessons and resources of progressive movements around Australia and across the globe. The library includes over 500 resources covering campaign strategy, community organising, activist history, digital campaigning diversity and inclusion and much much more it's free to access the library so check out the collection at www.commonslibrary.org common social change library is a 3cr supporter
0: You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents with Jody and Giselle, and that interview was with Walsan Lim about the South Korean truck workers' strike, which ended in uh, the deal that they wanted. And of course, uh, Walsan spoke about what came, what's coming next. So you know, trying to stop the government reneging on that deal and um, generalising that um, that change in in the scheme uh, across other industries, so that um, workers get paid fairly. It is 9.28. That does bring us to the end of Asia Pacific Currents for another week. Uh, We do want to thank all of our Radiothon supporters. Uh, I do want to read people's names, and um, uh, I'm pretty sure that that is within the rules. Um, But I just want to extend a very big thank you to all of our supporters, uh, Michelle Reeves, Heather Smith, and Adam Muir, Caroline Pryor, Nick McClellan, Pierre Morrow, who is a former um, presenter on this show. Gab Reed. a massive, massive, massive thank you to Alison Clark. Alison, if you're listening, I would love it if you could please give us a call at the end of the show, 94198377, but also a thank you to Colin Long, Barry Goff and Jan Bartlett. Thanks to all of the contributors to Radiothon. Um, we are just shy of our target. We're probably... 50 to 100 bucks away from our target so if you want to give us a ring and just get us over the line that would be great but of course 3cr itself is about 30 grand away from its two hundred and fifty thousand dollar target so if you uh, want to contribute to any other programs on this station please do stay tuned for palestine remembered which is coming up next and please stay tuned to 3cr for the rest of the weekend that's it from me giselle hannah and Jody peskett